Hey everyone, it's Peter Lewis, and I am so excited for you to listen to this week's message. I talked about how Jesus came to us uh, in three distinct ways. Um, he came as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, uh, but then when He rose, He rose uh, as, a, as a great high priest who now lives in heaven on our behalf, um, in full-time ministry, helping us in our weakness, sitting on the throne of grace, and ultimately one day He will return as our bridegroom uh, and glorious judge. And I just talked about the beauty of that and how we are saved, we're being saved, and one day we will be saved, and the importance of understanding uh, just who Jesus is uh, specifically through the gospel and how we mature into Christ likeness as we behold him as we continue in the faith and so uh, man I really hope uh, this encourages you this is a real pearl in my heart um, and I just pray that it strengthens your faith and gives you context to run well love you guys so much well I am going to share the Word of God with you how many of you love the Word of God all right most of you Man, this thing, where would we be without the word? Come on. I mean, come on. We're living in days where this thing is like, people are scrutinizing this thing. Wow, I don't know about it. Listen, you know what's amazing about the word of God? This is real. It never changes. Well, I just don't feel like God loves me. We'll flip it open. John 3, 16. No, that's not. See, y'all don't live that way. You know, I wake up, I just don't feel the love of God today. Really? But he shed his blood for you. He shed his blood for you. We don't live by feelings. We live by faith in the son of God who loved us and gave himself up for us. I may not feel the love of God, but I know he loves me. I know he loves me because he shed his blood for me. He made covenant with us. Oh, he's so good. So I'm going to share the gospel with you tonight. Amen. Um, and what I'm going to share is actually, it's a pearl of mine. This is uh, very, very precious, what I want to share with you. Precious to me. Uh, I pray it's precious to you. Um, and I, I know for, for most of us it is. But this is something that I've been... Um, I've just been sitting with the Lord for probably, I don't know, in this one area uh, for about 15 years. Just, Lord, I want to know your gospel. I want to know this revelation of Jesus. I want it to impact my heart. And I want uh, to be able to strengthen the faith of the church so that we can run well until the Lord returns. Um, I was talking to Michael uh, last week, and we were just talking and praying, and he really wanted to start... Uh, a series on the end times and just preparing uh, this house. If you call this place home, we really want to prepare um, this house, this home, and, and this generation uh, for the Lord's return. We believe that there's a real day coming when Jesus is going to split the sky and come back. Well, most of us do. I mean, a handful of us believe that. Um, and that's going to be awesome. Um, and it's going to be intense. And from now until then, it's, it's, it's intense and it's awesome. Um, and what's going to remain is faith, hope, and love. Amen. And so we want to take the next four weeks and just really prepare our hearts to engage with the Lord and have a healthy approach to the return of the Lord. Because I know many of us, when you talk about the return of the Lord, it's this, you know, this fear thing. And you're like, I don't know about that. I've never really thought about that. 
And so I want to give you some context and perspective because for the believer, the return of Christ is an anchor for your soul that will actually position you to go through hell, high water, and everything else that we would face in this nation. And so if you do not have that anchor, that hope, that blessed hope, as the Bible says, in your soul, crazy things will happen and you'll be tempted to, to throw in the towel. You'll be tempted to lose faith. Amen? So we don't want that. So go to 1 Corinthians 15. I'm going to read a few scriptures and then I actually prepared a table for you. I want to sing that song. You prepare a table. Um, all right. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 1. Paul says this to Christians, to believers. He says, now I would remind you, brothers of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, that's past tense, in which you stand, that's present tense, and by which you are being saved, that's present future tense. So you received it, you stand in it, and you are presently ongoing experiencing a measure of salvation. And then he says this crazy, little conditional phrase that we all hate in the church. He says, if, everyone say if. if. When you read if in the Bible, you should pay attention. Because if means that everything he just said hinges on what's after the if. The if is like a hinge. And so if you take away that which is after the if, then you don't get what's before it. This is how you read your Bible. When you see an if, you've got to slow down and go, whoa, wonder what's going on after this if. He says, if you hold fast, what? To the word I preached to you. Now, what was the word, the word that Paul preached? Okay, not enough unison voices. Paul had one message. It was the gospel. And the gospel, he says in Galatians 1, is a revelation of Jesus. Amen? So Paul, everywhere he went, he would go into cities and synagogues, and all he would do is he would just reveal Jesus constantly. He was the Messiah, the Lamb of God. He takes away the sins of the world. He was born of a virgin. He, he, and he would just begin to reveal Jesus. And as he would reveal Jesus, God's power and his grace would be bestowed upon those who believed in his word. But what he was trying to convey to the Corinthian believers here is he's saying, listen, I need you to understand something, that if you let go of this word, he says, then you will have believed initially in vain. Now, what does it mean to believe the word of God in vain? Now, I know there's a, there's a whole kind of once saved, always saved thing. And I want to say this, once saved, always saved, praise God. Amen. That's like saying once born, always born. The point of being born, once you're born, is to actually grow up and experience the fullness for why you were born. And the church has too long have been like, well, I'm once saved, always saved, right? Don't mess with my once saved, always saved. Yeah, okay. You've now been born. But you are not guaranteed to grow up into the fullness and experience everything he has for you. And I believe that's what he means when he says, if 
if you do not hold fast to this word, you've believed in vain. Meaning you got born again, but you got born again really just to be saved through the fire by and by. I actually created you in me so that you could grow up into Christ. And you could perform his will on the earth in a community of like-hearted, like-minded people who were striving side by side, Philippians says, for the faith of the gospel. Not being terrified by their opponents and tribulations and trials and COVID and vaccines and political unrest. Can we, can we just take a deep breath and realize Christ is on his throne? He made this whole thing. He established the earth on a sure foundation and he has not lost a night of sleep. Not a wink. He sits on his throne above it all. In church, it's high time we come and we, have a, we adopt a gospel perspective and we are marked by the same peace and authority and clarity and righteousness and purpose and focus that our king has. He loves people. He loves people. So much so that he shed his blood for us. Amen? And this is the mission of the church, is to proclaim his great name, to proclaim his gospel, to become ministers of reconciliation to people who don't think, act, talk, and walk like us. Y'all okay? I'm not mad at anybody. So he wanted to actually remind these Christians, he says, guys, I have to remind you of the gospel and I need you to know that the gospel is triune in nature, meaning it saves you past tense, it presently saves you, you were saved, you are being saved, and you will be saved one day when Christ returns. This is paramount and foundational to the Christian faith. And for too long, we've made this thing about just this transactional moment going from darkness to light, which praise God, how many of you are thankful going from darkness to light? <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You got born again, but church, it's now time that we grow up. Because right now, I'm just telling you, like I, I love what's happening in the earth and, say and, yeah. there is a tremendous amount of carnal Christianity. Yeah. Tremendous. And we have to be honest with ourselves where we see it in ourselves, first and foremost, where we are walking in spiritual, spiritual immaturity, carnality. We have to be real honest with our dad and say, wow, Father, I am seeing some things in my life that do not look like your son. I need you to help me. I need you to father me. All right, and I wanna show you a list here because I think it'll help. It's from the Bible. Do you have that list there, Art? Yeah, okay, so... How is this up here? Oh, great. You're going you're gonna to bullet point it. So spiritual immaturity. Um, one of the ways we know from 1 Corinthians 3 that there's spiritual immaturity is that there's division and comparison. The I follow so-and-so mentality. So if you look around today in the body of Christ, there is a lot of division, comparison. Well, but I follow, well, what do they say? And, and that division, that comparison, the, the, the real root of it is I'm not going to fellowship with someone else because they, they kind of, they're of a different camp than me. They don't really think the same way as me. 
They may believe Jesus Christ is Lord. They may believe all the same core foundational doctrines that we believe, but because they practice their faith differently, we may go, nah, I don't want that. And this division is really what we're saying is we're saying what you do in the flesh is more important than the unity of the faith, which is our hope in Jesus. I love the body of Christ. I love every denomination, every nuance, every expression, like anyone truly that's been born of God, that's pursuing him, that has a a faith, the Anglican, the Lutherans, the Catholics, the Baptists, the Presbyterians, like they all, if you study them and you get to know them and you get to know someone's culture and how they grew up, I want to tell you, there there is beautiful kingdom glory in it. The way the Baptists took missions, are you kidding me? Oh my gosh, they would school us all in missions, right? And in the, in the Pentecostals, the fire, like, come on, like there's so much good. And I realize that there's been bad with it. There's been flesh with it. And that flesh, that flesh is something that was, that, that's flesh. It's not the spirit. It's not Jesus. Some other things that we see You can be spiritually gifted. You can prophesy and heal the sick. Oh, you can bring the house down. You can preach. You can teach. You can lead worship. But if your character doesn't look like Christ, that's spiritual immaturity. See, God will anoint babies. You can go get an anointing. The the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they're free. He gives them. That's why they're called gifts. You start prophesying. I remember when I first, when I first encountered the Holy Spirit, I was prophesying like a wild man. Y'all, when I first, as a Bible church kid, can I tell you something? And I learned that God would tell me secrets about people and things and stuff. Y'all, I was like a kid in a candy shop. I was like, this is rad. I felt like a superhero. Some of us, we take that for granted, the hearing the voice of God stuff. I remember I had one of those old Nokia phones. Y'all remember those Nokia phones? And you had to type in, some of y'all don't, you Gen Zs. There was like these Nokia, there was only buttons on it. There wasn't even really a screen. It was just like a little brick. And you played Snake. I was bad at Snake. I was bad at Snake. And I, and I remember I went to this Starbucks when I first discovered the gift of prophecy and I, I was like, all right, Lord, I was like, let's do the thing. You know, like I didn't know, I just play with it. And I was like, all right, I just closed my eyes and I would, I would go open the, the, um, my contacts in the thing. And I would just type in like, like letters. So if you typed in numbers, it would go to that. It would just take you to a random number and I would hit call. And I'm like, all right, whoever I'm calling, I'm getting a word for him. So I called this guy. I'm like, oh, I'm like, I haven't talked to this guy in like two years. So he picks up the phone. I'm like, Lord, I need something. He's like, hello. I'm like, hey, bro, remember me? We went to school together. He's like, yeah. I was like, hey, I was like, did you just start dating a girl like two weeks ago? He's like, bro, how did you know that? I was like, man, listen, I don't think she's the one for you. (laughs) I don't recommend that. And he was like, well, that's not what the Lord's telling me. And um, anyway, I need to, if he's watching, I need to repent to him. That wasn't right. Um, I mean, it was, I don't think they got married, but, um, <laughs> but how I delivered it wasn't right. And so my point is I was lacking spiritual maturity, but I was still prophesying. And so guys, we cannot be confused by spiritual gifting with maturity any longer. 
It's free, it's a gift. What counts is faith expressing itself through love. Humility, Christ-likeness, gentleness, holiness, holiness. I said holiness, integrity. That your word, watch this, that what you say is what you do. That what you think in here is how you walk. It matters. I remember one time I asked God, I said, God, how come, like I was, we, we had gone to Uganda on this mission trip and I prayed for this cripple guy and, and he didn't get up and I was so like, I was so bummed because I, it's like when I pray, I pray like, looking at the stripes of Jesus, amen? If you're gonna pray for the sick, don't look at where you've been, don't look at how many times you haven't seen someone healed, look at the stripes. The will of God has been settled. He's willing. How do you know? Because the stripes, it's settled. But how come it didn't, settled? There's stripes on his back, but why didn't it? There's stripes. We're going to pray the will of God. We're going to believe his kingdom come, his will be done. And I remember it didn't happen. I said, God, how come it didn't happen? How come that my, my lips and my tongue doesn't have the same, like Jesus would say, go, and these, woo, these things would go, and he would say, get up, and the people would get up, and their bones would crack. And he said, I, I heard this, and I don't, I'm just sharing this. He said, because not everything you say is in line with my word. And he said, and if I gave you the same power that my son had, you would, just, you would do more harm than good. And I was like, wow, I don't like that. <laughs> I didn't like that. But it's real. Unless you believed in vain. Go to Colossians chapter 1. Colossians chapter 1, 21. It says this, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. How many of you say hallelujah? hallelujah. Holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Can you think of a more radical promise to stand before Jesus, holy, blameless? Meaning like you're standing before God in all of his righteousness and holiness and, and anyone could look at you and go, is there, any, is there any blame in him? Is there any fault? Is there any reproach? I don't see any. No, there's nothing. Well, did you check all the way? Like all the way in and all the way out? Did you fully examine? Yeah, I've checked, I've examined. He's holy, he's blameless, and he's above reproach. That's awesome. Come on. How many of you know that's like where we're headed? Holy, blameless, above reproach. It should put a big smile on your face. Oh no, he says if. Why am I showing you this? Because there's a lot of things that try to prevent what's after the if. If indeed you continue in 
the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from what? The hope of the gospel that you heard. What is the hope of the gospel? What is the hope of the good news? Come on, in unison, what's the hope? I'll be more specific, church people. His return is our blessed hope. Now listen, there's something why we didn't all in unison cry, his return in faith, because we're unsure of these things. We've been taught to have faith in a moment. We've been taught that the gospel is this transactional crossing the river moment. And we've not been taught to continue in the faith, which is to continue in the gospel, which is to continue in the revelation of son. And so I'm sharing this with you, a great pearl in my heart. I've made this table. You can put it up, Art. I've made this table. And this table, I believe, represents the three Uh, anchor revelations of Jesus that we need as the body of Christ to continue in the faith. Say the faith. The faith faith is different than I have faith for a miracle. The faith is different than, well, I've got faith, brother. I'm going to, I'm living by faith. And you're, you know, sometimes we say I'm living by faith. (laughs) Oh man. I'll, I'll leave that alone. So you guys said Jesus. You go, what is it in Jesus? But when you say Jesus, Jesus came to us in three distinct ways in the gospel. He first presents himself, and this is John the Baptist. So so you gotta pay attention here. Hebrews 2 says you gotta pay much closer attention to what you've heard because in the last days, God has spoken to us what? Son. That's That's what the literal translation is. God has spoken in the last days. No longer law, no longer prophets. The word of God, you're like, what's the word of the Lord for 2022? I know, I know, pick me. <laughs> it's son. What, what, what's the word of the Lord this year? What's God saying right now? Son. But, but what's he saying to America right now in, this, in these times of, you know, like what we're doing? What's he saying? I know. Son, can I tell you, this is enough for what's happening in our nation. It's sufficient for our, for our government, for things happening at the border, for, for pandemics. I don't know. Am I talking to, to, come on. I'm talking about Jesus Christ, the son of God, the everlasting gospel, the power of God to save humanity. We're talking about the, 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 the gospel, the ancient of days, the one who was dead, but now behold is alive forevermore. He holds the keys to death in Hades. He established the earth on a foundation that is sure and steadfast. His name is Jesus. And my fear and concern is that the things happening around us are causing many of us to lose faith. We're taking our eyes off of sun. We're taking our ears off of sun. And if that's you, I want to tell you, you're you're beginning to experience the anxiety and and the unsure and the lack of clarity. If that's you, I want to tell you, you've taken your eyes and your ears off of sun. Because I'm, I can stand here with authenticity and integrity and tell you that I've never been more excited to be alive. 
I've never been more excited to be living in America. I've never been more like, like stoked for the human race. I've never been more convinced that revival is here. We're not waiting for it. Help us, Lord. So if we don't want to be carnal, you can leave this one up, uh, Art. Just leave the table up. Um, we need to be mature, which I, I, I said is freedom from sin, power over sin, righteousness and thoughts and deeds, having a clear purpose, which is loving God, loving others, seeking the kingdom first and making disciples. So to pay closer attention, let me break this, this table down. Isn't this amazing? I made a table, y'all. Can y'all believe that? That's a sign and a wonder. If y'all been coming to Upper Room, y'all have a table up there. So I want you to see this. You've got three revelations of Jesus, the Lamb of God, our great high priest, and bridegroom and judge. So the Lamb already came, so he He's forever, but he came in our time. So the lamb came, so that's past. Are you with me? Like Jesus died 2,000 years ago on earth. He's forever the lamb, but in our realm of time, it's past. Are you with me? Okay, so that's past tense. He lives now. This will cause you to get slain in the spirit in your chair if you realize this. He lives now as our high priest. He's alive in heaven, the Bible says, in full-time ministry, the Bible says, on our behalf. You just, that's in Hebrews 7, 8, 9, 10. You can go read it for yourself. I don't have time to teach it tonight. This is foundational. If you're struggling with performance Christianity, feeling all tired and worn out, you have not been beholding your great high priest. You've not been connecting with his prayers for you. He ever lives to make intercession for you. How many of you think Jesus prays something and it doesn't get answered? <laughs> and you're worried about your prayer life. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? He has made a way for us. And he lives right now. Romans 5 says this. It says, if we were reconciled by the death of his son, that's Lamb of God, how much more, having been reconciled when we were enemies, shall we be saved by his life? What? You just distinguished, Paul just distinguished the death of Christ and the life of Christ functioning in two different ways. One reconciled us, but the other provides an ongoing flow of salvation 24 by 7. We walk in salvation. Oh my goodness. Come on, church. Everything you are facing. What do you need to be saved from? Seriously, today, what do you need salvation from? In your marriage, frustration, bitterness, apathy, like hopelessness, despair, like salvation is for you today. None of this will I should know better by now. You kidding me? 
That's not the gospel. And then one day, there's a day fixed by the Father that only the Father knows. Jesus Christ will come to judge the living and the the dead, and he will marry his bride. Now, I know we don't like the word judge, but the Bible says he will come to judge the living and the dead. And this was John the Baptist's announcement when he announced Jesus the first time. He gives us, I believe, these three revelations. He says, behold the Lamb of God, that's the Lamb, who will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. That's the high priest. He's the one who baptizes humanity in the Holy Spirit. The priest does that. Did you know that? He ascended, put his blood on the mercy seat 50 days later, and he dunks humanity 120 in the Holy Ghost, and we're here today. Mm -mm -mm -mm. And not just does he baptize in the Holy Spirit, but he will baptize you with fire. Now listen, I don't believe personally that the baptism of fire is like some level up from the baptism of the Spirit. Like I got the baptism of the Spirit, some like, I got the baptism of fire. I believe he's referring to the last day when he will baptize this whole thing in fire. And the fire is not for you, it's not for me, it's for our works and everything that's not of him. And it says in 1 Corinthians 3, 12 to 13, it says that, that, that your works, that which you've done in the flesh will be exposed by fire. So his, his fire baptism will literally reveal every single motive, every single thing of your heart, every word spoken. You, you, you will be, it will be the full light of day, the fire of his holiness and his purity will reveal every, every, every act of service. Everything you did will be revealed and purified by fire. And if it's of him and of love and of faith and of the kingdom, it will remain. And there will be a reward for that. If it was of yourself and of your flesh for your name, for your kingdom, to build yourself up so that other people could look at you and so that you could get more followers on whatever, it will burn. And you will be saved as one through fire because God's amazing and he loves you and he wants you in his family. But all that mess will be burned up. And so we have to understand that God's salvation is bigger than this one moment thing because sin touched humanity, spirit, soul, and body. When sin came and touched mankind, it touched us spiritually, it touched us in our soul, and ultimately that spiritual death and soul death produced a physical death and we died. And you see that up here, our person, spirit, soul, and body. So you have the next, the nature of sin. So sin is triune in nature, meaning this. You have the penalty of sin, which is death. This is Romans 6, 23. And the reason why I'm just referencing the scriptures is you can write them down and, go, and you should go search all this out. Romans 6, 23 says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. So listen, if you are not born again, There's something called death that remains on you. You are in sin, and because of sin, spiritually, in Adam, we all died. And so people that are saying, well, like, well, we don't need to preach the gospel, and there's no hell, that's not true. 
That's not true. There is hell. And, and God doesn't desire anyone. Hell wasn't made for humanity. It was made for Satan and the evil one. And the only reason someone will go to hell is because they actively and knowingly reject the work of the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. I'm going to say it again. The only way someone will go to hell is they actively and knowingly reject the free gift of God, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world. God's not some mean, fear-mongering, punishing God. He made a way for humanity to be free from the penalty of sin, which is death. And death is eternal separation from God. It's, it's, it's a perishing apart from God. And if you have never received the free gift of life, I want to tell you tonight, you must be born again. Because there's nothing like it. Oh, come on. Why would you not want to be born again? That God would become your father. You'll have an opportunity tonight to be born again. If that's you, I just want to tell you, tonight's your night. Tonight, your father's calling you home, and he wants you to be born again, not under the penalty of sin, which is death. And here's how you know you're living in death, is that your life is aimless. You're experiencing death in every manner of your life, addiction, relationships, job, dead end, like you just have never found life. And I want to tell you that in Christ, there is life. There is life. I'm not saying you're not going to go through hard times. I'm not saying there won't be trials and tribulations that all your problems just magically disappear. But God will give himself to you and you'll actually be able to walk through life with him instead of spiritually dead. You'll be awake and alive to love himself. He'll put a smile on your face. Wow. So next we have, so you have the penalty of sin. So the Lamb of God deals with that. Isn't that awesome? Yes. Woo. How many of you love it when, when Jesus said, it is finished? Yes. But notice he didn't say, I am finished. Right. See, we, we say it is finished and we think he is finished. Like now he's done his work. Now I'm going to do mine. And. <laughs> <laughs> He finished his work as the lamb, and then he began his work as the priest. He's still working, y'all. My God is still alive, and my God is still working. And here's how I know he's vested in you and I looking like him. He shed his blood. He put a down payment of his blood to purchase me into his family, and so I know that I know that I know that I'm not the spiritual momentum to my walk with God. I don't like muster up our, I'm going to get some, I'm going to get some momentum come September. I'm going to get some momentum in the spirit. I live with a tidal wave called Christ behind me, just breathing his Holy spirit, championing me on praying for me saying, you can do it. I believe in you because I shed my blood for you. You have value and worth to the father. You're in our family. I covenanted, put my spirit inside of you. I empower you for every good work that I prepared beforehand that you should walk in it. Woo, how much more joyful is the Christian life knowing that you get to do it with him? Listen, if you're tired and burnt out and exhausted in your walk, it's because you're doing it without him. Come on. That's just, that's just real. 
And I'm telling you plain, some of you are like, why is he, I'm not, I'm speaking straight because so many people don't. We try to like, well, I just, I don't know, brother. It can't be that simple. It is. It really is because he's alive. It's not, it, it's, it's simple, but it costs him everything. As they say, it's free. Yes, it's free, but it cost him everything. If I were to pull this room on the power of sin, what's the power of sin? We'd get a lot of different answers. I'm not going to do it. Well, it's the flesh. It's the devil. It's my old man. What's the power of sin? Why does sin? Have you ever wondered as a believer when the Bible says sin will have no dominion or power over you? Have you ever wondered why sometimes it still feels like it does? I lived for years of my Christian life enslaved to an addiction to pornography. It tormented me. It had power over me. So here's the reality. I didn't want it, but I, I had this thing, this lust, this, this temptation that I was powerless legitimately against. But here was my belief system. My belief system was the fact that I kept doing it I must have been doing something wrong. I wasn't being Christian enough. I wasn't praying enough, reading enough, doing something holy enough because that's why it still had power. Anyone been there? And you believe that the power has to do with, with you because you're, you're screwing it up. And so then what happens is guilt, shame, and condemnation become your best friends. Oh, it's like a cancer to your spiritual life. Guilt, shame, condemnation. That was me. I lived in that for years of my life. Suicidal thoughts, depression, all the mess, frustrated. I'm reading about the power of God, yet didn't see it. I'm going, and I finally, I got real with God. I said, God, your word says you're powerful, says you're mighty to save, says that you have all this. I said, but God, this thing actually is more powerful than you. I told him that because I was angry, because I wanted freedom. And I wasn't angry because I, I, was, I didn't believe him. I was angry because I did believe him. If I didn't believe him, I wouldn't have been angry. Well, he, he tased me. Not in that moment. Not in that moment. But about three months after that prayer, I experienced his power. The power of God. The power of God's real. It's not a, it's not a tingling. It's not an emotionalism. It's a substance. It's a substance that is God himself that, that does something to your heart and to the enemy that you cannot do by yourself. And I, I was laid out under the power of God being electrocuted by God for 45 minutes, being delivered from a demonic addiction. I didn't know it was demonic. This lady, this prophetess lady, she looked through me. She was like, you foul lust spirit, come out. I was like, I was a Bible church kid. I had no idea. I was like, I have a demonic spirit. <laughs> but I was laying there getting tased by God. It was awesome. And I came up, this was on March uh, 7th, 2006. His power is still working in me today, 2021. It's real, freedom's real. Freedom's real. It's a real thing. It's possible. It's possible in him. Does it mean I haven't been tempted? No. It means that now there's a power at work within me that's so far superior than the power of sin. But here, listen to this. 
The Bible says that the power of sin is not the devil, it's not your flesh, it's not your old man. 1 Corinthians 15, 56, the sting of death is sin and the power of sin is in the law. The reason sin has power in your life today as a believer is because you're still relating to God based on a system of do's and don'ts. You've got to see this. If you relate to God based on the law, what you're doing is you're fundamentally saying, God, I do not receive your priesthood, your covenant, your ministry, the spirit, your friendship, your life, your mercy, your compassion. I'm only gonna relate to you based on I do good, I receive love, I do bad, I receive punishment. Therefore, that empowers sin and you're stuck in a, in a downward cycle. Oh, this, 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 this is for this. We did all of this to get to what I just said. I want to, I want to carry on so bad. You have no idea, but this is why we came. There's many of you here and you're in bondage to the power of sin through relating to God based on the law. And it's your lack of the knowledge of God. I don't say that to your shame. It's the lack of the knowledge of God that's keeping you living under an inferior covenant, an inferior system that's not allowing you to experience. Say experience. Experience, experience is real. Experience the fullness and the delight and the power of the new covenant. This is not a game. This is not a joke. Your very life is at stake. Amen. And God has freedom and life for you. He has life for you.